This is CliffCentral.com. Sanbonan Nonke, welcome to the show. It is, frankly speaking, one hour of hot potato issues in South Africa. Hey, there is no uh, bigger hot potato issue than the micro issue of racism in St. John's. Uh, it is, it is, it is blown up in South Africa, not only in the northern suburbs of Johannesburg, but across the country. Unbelievable, the response. Uh, we're going to be uh, hitting that up. Dumelang uh, Rohesang. Thanks, sir. Nere. Good day. Meno guy. Aye, as var, Brak. As var. Par, par. That's all I know about no. Victoria. <laughs> You can't just you can't just. Uh, oh, but it can happen any time. In politics, they say just don't just come and ejaculate that thing because it's the only thing you know. We must wait for the right moments. <laughs> but papar is any moment, really. No, there's know. no such moment. Papar, papar is a specific moment. We we're sharing a mic today, which is quite intimate. I must say, I've never looked into your eyes as much as this right now. It's quite scary. They're quite beautiful eyes, actually. Has anyone ever told you that? No. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today, Rory? So this St. John's incident has been <clears throat> a big issue um, in the country. Racism, boring, that's what we're known for. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is a, a topical issue. Um, it's raised a lot of questions. Obviously, uh, this topic has been done um, at nauseum on the other stations and so on. So we're not going to, to jump into it, I think. The interesting question that it raises is this this whole issue, and we've seen it in a number of incidents. We had we we did a show on the Girls High Pretoria Girls High s- uh, situation and yeah. the hair situation there. We did a show recently about um, what's happening in education, where the governing body with would, teachers, right? Yeah, yeah, where where the, where the white governing body was saying no. Um, everything is good, but the black teachers were saying no. Everything is horrible. Mm. Um, so it, it it increasingly just raises the, the 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 issue of black skins in white schools. Um, to say what exactly is going on um, within within primary or private schools and former Model C schools, um, and the idea of you know how do black skins find their space um, in these. Is there even an issue, or is just black people causing trouble as usual again? <laughs> you, 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 you. That's hectic, eh? What you just said, that's hectic. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> Why are you doing that? For who? <laughs> the interesting question for me, Rory, is this idea of white schools. In a country where we have 80% of, of, of black skins, what is a white school right now in your definition, before we get to our guests? Well, white schools are former are schools that were formerly um, a reserved to white people, right? Mm-hmm. So most of the private schools, former Model C schools, um, those are white schools. Um, and I think in terms of defining white, it's not just about the quantity of uh, of learners that are white in these spaces. It's it's particularly the culture, the traditions, the the way the school carries itself. Does it carry itself in a way that represents? Africans for being African, or does it represent? I mean, we've seen incidents now of uh, schools that are primarily black learners, where certain uh, policies around hair and so on are actually uh, driven for learners that are white, mm-hmm. uh, not for black learners. So I think that the concept needs to be unpacked a little bit more around what we mean by white schools. But it's uh-huh. certainly uh, we are talking about the majority of private schools and, and, and former Model C schools, particularly the private schools that, not the dodgy fly-by-night private schools in town, uh, but uh, the private schools that were formerly reserved for white people. All right, if you've got a, a, a point on this, you've got a question to our guests, we've got some very interesting guests today. If you've got uh, any thoughts that you want to share with us, please hit us up on Cliff Central uh, on, on uh, what is that, WeChat? Yeah? It's WeChat. Cliff Central on WeChat, as well as on Twitter, Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or Rory Shabalala. And we'll take some of those comments. I must say, Rory, like this issue's gone crazy uh, on my personal Facebook uh, Why are you page. so passionate about it? Because I didn't want to do this topic. Today, it's you trying to push this topic. Why do you care? Uh, I think that's... I care because the stigmatization and socialization of our young minds... Is very important. Boring. What is it to uh, you? What is it to me? I want to see a space where people can be people for what they are and bring what they are to the table. And I think private schools. Uh, you know, personally, I had a situation where I went to one of these private schools, and I was, 
I was a minority in a way because I was a different religion to the private school. And yes, I got totally, totally slammed and bullied for that, you know. The only Jewish person in the school of a Catholics. And um, so I know what it's like. And that's not even on a social level, right? Being black has been socialized as being wrong in these spaces. You've been black before? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Oh. I'm just saying that I, I've seen that uh, sp specific case through a number of different examples. And, uh, you know, the St. John's thing, I suppose, was just another, yet another example in a whole bunch of things. So, of course, you don't want to speak to the white guy about being black. So let's introduce our guests. <laughs> and, and then we can say, maybe they can introduce themselves, actually. Let's, let's start. Ladies first. Oh, okay. Put me on the spot. Of okay. course, of course. <laughs> um, They're not trash, remember. <laughs> I don't remember those hashtags. Um, my name is Glenna. Um, you don't have a surname, Glenna. Glenna Mdluli. Ah, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm a VIT student. Uh-huh. And you are an ex which school? I was at Rodine uh -huh. School. Wow, Rodine. Class of? Class of 2013. She's really, she can't hide now, hey? <laughs> yeah, right. you've pretty much like... Lina, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Uh, next in line is? Hi, my name is Irvin, Irvin Lichlo. Uh I'm an ex and David's uh, old boy. I'm matriculated in year 2000. Yeah, now you're the, the, the old man in the room. Hey, that's ridiculous. <laughs> huh? um, my name is Mpilom Sleku. I was the head of school of St. John's last year. Mpilo was the head boy of St. John's last year. Uh, and this guy has the most St. John's haircut I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Not really, Rory. I think that is honestly, that's, that's what it's like. I went to a government school. I wouldn't, I can't tell. <laughs> I, I, I just had to be bald all the time, so I can't tell. <laughs> so we're going to speak to these guys about their experiences in schools. Maybe let's just get a bit of background to how you came to these schools. Um, Pilo, why don't we start with you? Like, what's your background? Where'd you come from? I know that's, that's already a classless situation, right? But these schools are expensive. All of them are private. We're talking. Why are you asking that question? Because I want to know where people come from and where they, because, okay, you're right. How does this question come about? There is a growing trend and thought process that a lot of black individuals in private schools have to assimilate to their surroundings i.e. they're not from that surrounding and therefore have to assimilate into that surrounding. So I'm just trying to understand, was it an assimilation by a school or was this always the case? Is that okay, Rory? Are you happy with that? No, no, I'm just like, it's, it's, it's a curious question. Is it, how, did, how did you black people find yourselves at uh, St. John? So, so Mpilo, uh, how, how did you, young black chap, find yourself at St. John? Because you shouldn't really be there. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you said. Sorry, no, that's not what I meant. But okay, fine. Well, it feels like that sometimes. That you shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I began attending St. John's as a whole, I think, when I was six years old. And wow. I graduated throughout um, from the primary school to the high school. And as I progressed through the high school, I started to feel more and more alienated as I became sort of more aware of social issues and sort of realized that everything was very Eurocentric, which feels out of place in a South African context, mm -hmm. especially because the school parades itself as a world-class Christian school in Africa. Mm -hmm. Yet the demographics and the cultural trends set there completely contradict this. I'm keen to, to get into it in a bit, but uh, I, I find it curious that a, a high school boy who knows nothing else but St. John's would feel that this doesn't feel like South Africa because that's, that's all you knew. So so I want to come back to that, but let's just get the, the, the other perspectives uh, in the room. So your background, Irvin? Right, so I got into uh, St. David's on an academic scholarship. Uh, um, St. David's in 1990, uh, post-1994, uh, began an, an active program of integration. I wanted to get more people of color into the school environment to make it uh, more representative of the South African situation. And I was one of the first students to... Um, uh, to benefit from from the program, and this was driven by, uh, driven by the uh, headmaster at the time, Mr. Paul Eady, the infamous Paul Eady. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about him, just for people who don't know who Paul Eady is. All right, so uh, Paul, in the context of recent events. All right, so Paul Eady is the current headmaster of St. John's, um, and he was uh, roundly pilloried. Um, 
Is that even a word? Anyway. It's a word now. It's a word now. David's education. It's a word now. We're taking everything. It's a word now. It's a word now. It's a word now. Yeah, so yeah, he was, uh, he was basically taken to the cleaners by all and sundry because um, uh, the St. John's policy was viewed as being, uh, towards the offending teacher, was viewed as being a bit... Um, a bit too soft and and uh, not representative of the seriousness of the crime. Lena. Um, I came from Botswana. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to primary there for for about till grade four, and then I moved to SA. Um, went to primary and then only went to Rodine for high school. Okay. Yeah. So just uh, I just want to head back to Irvin. Irvin is uh, the infamous Irvin now who wrote in defense of Paul Edie an article or posted online as well on our Twitter. But uh, you can also check it out if you just Google in defense of Paul Edie. He has a bit of a personal story there, which is which is very interesting. Um, very different backgrounds. Rory, you you want to come back to Mpilo? Yeah, so Mpilo, um, uh, how did how did this issue? So you're the former head boy just last year. So when this issue broke, um, how did this land within the alumni community? Um, broke this year. Uh, yeah. So so to. this particular issue when when it broke, um, if you say this year, when did this thing break? Is did it break earlier than we thought? Um, so obviously last year at St. John's, myself and the prefect body tried very hard to challenge the eurocentricity of. St. John's, which is a private school, so it perhaps can be used as a metaphor for all private schools in South Africa. And we were part of like a group of people who started to not only criticize institutional racism, but also overt racism in St. John's. And as a result of that, the teacher who resigned from St. John's was one of the people we targeted in terms of exposing his racist acts. So we, the students of last year, were aware of this thing rumbling because we submitted the stuff to Mr. Paul Eady last year. And it was actually disappointing that it took so long to be resolved. And that there were. So this, this, this thing actually began much earlier. It's just it bubbled up now. Yes. There was actually, um, last year <laughs> after we first submitted the list of complaints that we had and the list of accounts of exact racist incidents, it was dealt with, but dealt with very unsatisfactorily because, um, the headmaster, the housemaster in question only had to resign from his post as housemaster. And it was done this very was a discreetly. It was the same teacher. Oh, it was the same teacher. And then there were complaints as a result of that poor poor effort by the school, which made it blow up this year. Let's just understand this a little bit, guys, because I think one of the things around racism in 2017 is it has a very different face uh, mm. uh, as opposed to racism in 1984, which was, um, <clears throat> you know, big burly person swearing the, the K word all over the place and beating people now is very subtle. And, uh, uh, what was the word you used? Institutional. Institutional. Um, so help me understand guys, just in your personal experiences and, and feel free to chip in where, where you want. What, what, what is racist in your, what, what racist remarks in your schooling career have been thrown at you in this subtle way? Because I think a large percentage of, of, School boys and girls and teachers will go, I'm not racist. You know, this is not me. I'm not racist. And, but they don't even know what they're doing um, because it is so underground. It's so socialized that they actually don't have an, an understanding of, hey, this actually hurts me because you're saying this because of my color. So help me understand, guys. Um, Anyone can go. <laughs> from my own perspective, last year we tried to really challenge institutional racism because we felt that it was what allowed overt racism to sometimes manifest and also allowed overt racism to be sort of accepted because there were no implementations in place that would resolve this when it occurred. So I think just like in terms of the culture of the schools, in terms of the demographics of the schools, in terms of the staff body being predominantly white, you already set a precedent where authoritarian figures are white and where the, the general trend of the boys is white, which is warping sort of what South Africa should be to a black boy. And then in terms of specific examples, I just think... Just, just on that, when, when, do you, when do you realize this as a... I mean, we must have... I don't know, maybe we were just a different... We, we just had a different software uh, version um, at school, but how is a teenager 
figuring, you know what, actually this feels funny. Um, you know, especially if you've been going to that school for for for, for your whole life, mm. uh, especially when you're trained to sort of admire the school, yeah, and appreciate. So, what so the at which point and what drives this thing that? Hmm, the, first of all, there's something different, and it's certainly something better than what I'm experiencing now. What what is it that drove that? Let's call it consciousness at such a young age. For me, it's sort of the contrast between my family life and sort of what I experienced at St John's, and obviously because my family is a black family. I have relatives who don't have the opportunities I have. And just seeing the fact that they are literally deprived of privilege and that the best in- institutions in the country are predominantly white while the country is black, it's, it's a very strong contrast. But what, what, what does that, what bugs you about that? I think that's the, the so, so there's somebody sitting at home is like, so they're white, what's like, what bugs you about the fact that they're white? Yes, over time with, more money and investment, you know, the, the typical thing. Oh, let's invest in education and eventually mm. there'll be more. What do you mean that they're white? Is it like there's white teachers? Yeah. Irvin? Um, to tag on to that question, you, you were saying that it's in, in St. David's there was, um, uh, well, a culture, an, an institutionalized St. form John's. of... St. John's, sorry. Uh, there was an institutionalized form of racism. Uh, for me, because it's been years since I've been in school, uh, I'd love it. Uh, I'd love to know a specific example of what you mean by institutionalized racism. Do you mean that um, the, the teacher mix is, uh, is not representative of the country, or do you mean that, um, that uh, attitudes and conduct of the teachers are, um, you, you know, uh, representative of an elitist point of view? Uh, just... Narrow down from sorry. Like, can I just comment? And um, I think also it's the code of conduct of well, the absolutely, schools. Absolutely, that literally that's what they. How so? T- tell us more about that. Well, in terms of my experience, I think you know the code of conduct of you know my school was, in a way, it did it 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 bashed you know black girls. It. In what way? Like, give me examples. For example, I say the way we, and I don't want to go to the hair issue because that's not the only thing, you know. But um, yeah, on our hair, we our braids have to be a certain way. Mm. Sometimes the, you can't have, you know, you can't have your hair afros. For example, I had for like one incident um, when I was in, I think, grade nine. And I had my hair out because I, I did not like, you know, if I don't have braids, it's mm. my natural hair. Mm. And I had, you know, a teacher, you know, the deputy head actually, mm. you know, tell me that my hair is, you know, it's untamable. And it's just, you know, comments yes. like that. Yeah. Yes. Below, anything other than hair that you that, that, that you picked up? Um, For me, the, the most striking personal examples are sort of the pronunciation, pronunciation of names Mm-hmm. It's sort of like just disregarded if you're a black pupil. They don't attempt to. They'll even call you somebody else's name as opposed to just struggling to hey, say freak. it. Hey, so freak, clearly yeah. there's no effort into like reading your name because you're a black boy. And then also um, just if a group of black boys are gathered together, there's automatically the suspicion that they're up to something devious or something. And you can see the teachers looking at you weirdly. And to think that you're doing this to children who are just trying to have fun with their friends is very messed up and distorted. Mm. And then also, they don't take your complaints seriously when you complain about racism. They sort of make it seem like it's a figment of your imagination or that you're crying for no reason when you suspect mm-hmm. that if a white people is complaining, it would be taken far more seriously. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and just to add on to that, um, I was a border. So that in itself alone. Adds, adds dimension. As oh, well, as. yeah. Mm. So being a border, a lot of the times, you know, they would make comments like, um, you know, give the leftovers to the borders. Give yeah, certain things what, like that. Were borders were just black. They or? were just black. Oh, really? You would find like one white person. Okay. And that's just yeah. Everyone knew the borders were black. All right. So within that context, Irvin jumps into the picture and he's like, "Wait, I have empathy for this man." And the empathy that you had was for the white headmaster. It wasn't for all of these uh, complaining, moping black students. Tell us a little bit about how you jump into this and why it is that um, 
out of all the number of different characters in this particular story, the, the, the one that you most um, connected with and that you felt empathy for was uh, Paul Eady, who was the headmaster, who uh, by media accounts had botched up the handling of this particular situation. Well, when you're the when when you're the leader of any um, of any of any group or organization, and that organization botches up, uh, suppose suppose you you um, uh, you lay the dog's breakfast at uh, at the at the foot of the leader. So so in that sense, yeah, you know, perhaps he is responsible. Um, but uh, my defence of uh, of Mr. Paul Ed uh, just came out of not so much out of the 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 issue, the greater issue, which um, I think definitely still needs debate, um, but over the personal character and motivations of of the person. Um, my 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 experience of Mr. Ed during the time he was at St. David's was of of a person that um, certainly. Uh, if anything, try to end racism in school, um, as opposed to um, as opposed to enabling it, as as he was uh, kind of labelled by Eusebius. That was my motivation. <laughs> <laughs> Name and shame. You named, you named our friend Eusebius. Uh, so this reminds me, Andrew, of a show that we did many, many moons ago called "Can Bad People Do Good?" Remember that show? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so, so. Is it your is it your contention that just because this man has some good qualities, he can't be an enabler of racism? Is that was that your not at all? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that my personal experience of uh, Mr. Paul Ed was of a of a man who didn't see me as a black boy when I was in school. Whenever I dealt with wasn't them, that a problem? Because from what what I'm hearing from the other co-hosts, they're saying. We aren't seen as black people, so we're being forced to become something other than what we are. So you're saying he didn't see me as a black boy, so he just like saw no, me th- as no. Why ne- why couldn't he see you as a black boy? He he never saw me as a black boy. He never saw me as a white boy. He saw me as a young person with potential, and and in his interactions with me, his his sole motivation was to try and bring the best out of me. Then I, you laugh. Why can't you see this teacher as just a, a, a man who made a mistake and, and 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 not see him as a white teacher that did a racist act? He's, you should be able to be you, you're responsible for what you say. Everything, every action you do, there's a consequence for it. So you can't, you cannot yeah, defend I'm, that. I'm not excusing the teacher. We're talking about Mr. Edie here. Yeah. Same thing. So how is he enabling racism? I worked quite closely with um, Mr. Edie last year, obviously as the head of school. Mm. And I can agree with um, Irvin, Irvin mm-hmm. um, regarding Mr. Edie's character. Because when you speak to him, when you work with him, it is a very nice environment. And you wouldn't say he's a bad person, I don't think. But as we try to forward our sort of waking up to your privilege campaign and sort of discussing, criticizing, and sort of just opening discussions regarding race, we saw perceived like an inability to act morally when it came to bigotry and rather an inclination to talk and to and to say the right things as he did on the radio, but not to actually do the right things. Because I think in South Africa, you cannot condone racism in any way. It has to be punished by the highest forms possible, considering also, our history. You are defending his... You're defending his character. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, his, his character and his personal motivations and how he deals with people. But as a principal headmaster of a certain mm. school and mm. such an incident happens, mm. are you going to... Many incidents happen. Many, exactly. There was very many incidents that this head, a housemaster was Thank you, guilty of. But, okay, but are you going to defend that and say that, okay, as a headmaster, still his character is still good? All right, so... So and allowing that. So so let's so let's uh, so let's let's touch base then on this incident because I, I'd love to have some actual clarity. So you're saying there was a number of complaints that were put forward. Um, following the complaints, was there any investigation that happened? After the complaints were put forward to Mr. Edie by our prefect body, mm-hmm. and I think there was also a teacher who did it independently. Um, after that, Mr. Edie dealt with it privately. And a letter was given to a number of matrics and mm. boys from the housemaster's house saying that he had been forced to step down for ill-advised comments, not even owning the fact that it's racist behavior, but rather trying to cover it up and 
and sort of trivialize it, which is the culture that we generally enjoyed at St. John's. So, and then after mm-hmm. multiple parents found out about this and drove for harder sanctions and sort of punishment, That's then okay. the, the sort of new campaign began because we reported this in December last year. Mm-hmm. Just before you answer that, uh, just to, if anyone's joined us on the show, it's, it's heating up very quickly here. Cleaners, uh, Cleaners, uh, eyes are about to kill someone, I think, <laughs> which is exciting for me. If you've just joined the show, frankly speaking, black skins in white schools following the incidents happening at St. John's. We've got three former private school alumni, uh, from different schools, uh, different years, different experiences and we're chatting to them if you want to join the conversation hit us up wechat cliff central or at yebo underscore levy and at rory shabalala um guys i want to i want to get out of st john's for just a second before you do oh, no i'm way. just i'm now curious yeah, Irvin, I'm you asked for some background you yeah. got some background yes given so, given that background <laughs> absolutely are you going to retract your letter no and and the reason and and the and the reason why I'm I'm saying I don't want to retract it, is 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 because of the the central point of my letter, which was that, um, which was which was that racism, although it's bad, if you if you if you just punish it, and and say that's the end of it, that's not fixing the problem. Uh, all that's going to happen is you're just going to drive the issue further underground. So let me let me ask you a question. Mm. Uh, the, the 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 trampling of dignity. Mm-hmm. If you just excuse it. No, no, no. Not saying you, excuse it. No, no mm. but w- what you're saying is, if racism, if you punish it, so come down hard on it, you drive it further underground. I'm saying if, on the, if it's on the just flip side of the racism is mm. a trampling of someone's dignity. So, Absolutely. So, children's so, dignity. So, children's mm. dignity in this particular case. So mm. Are you saying that then that if we just we just like you know let's just forgive this? Are we assuming that over time that this ends up as a as a good news story? No. So what I'm saying is this: is that uh, punishment on its own, uh, no matter how, no matter the level of sanction that you choose, whether it's a, a, a soft sanction or it's a hard sanction, um, on its own doesn't go far enough to to solving the issue. All that's going to happen is that uh, opinions around around the the debate are going to become entrenched, and instead of having the issue of racism in schools and prejudice in schools um, being being dealt with and uh, and eliminated as a as a challenge, all that you do is just further entrench those um, um, those um, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, you further entrench those opinions and and create a bigger issue further down the line. Lena, you want to say something quickly? No, I was gonna. I was gonna pose a question to him. Um, mm. Say you have. Do you have a daughter? I have a son. You have a son. Now, for your son, mm-hmm. if he, if that was him, if th- those remarks were directed to him, how would you feel? And how would you? Would that change how you perceive? If he was labeled publicly as another black underachiever, yeah. which is one of the quotes that the housemaster said, mm-hmm. how would you feel? How would you feel? And I'm, how I'm, would you approach? I'd be absolutely pissed off and I'd demand justice. But part of, part of justice is giving an opportunity to, to the offender to redeem themselves. That's, that's my belief. But you'd allow your, your son your to son. continue to go to an environment which has someone in it who has been guilty of racism well that would very much depend on the context with which uh, that that's the teacher has been allowed to continue from what i understand uh the teacher was stripped of all responsibility given a final written warning and 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 advised that if he if he repeats such conduct that that would be the end of his career no Irvin, that's defending Irvin, i'm just just very quickly i mean i'm not black the only non-black in the room mm. uh if my kid was told that he was a dirty this or a, an underachiever that or whatever the case, if, regardless of skin color now, like it could be about religion, it could be about the way he he or she wears her hair, no, you know, her sexuality, his sexuality or his sexuality. Dude, you'd be pissed, man. You'd want you want that guy to be yes. fired, right? No, but no, no. In Irvin's defense. In defense of Irvin now. Yes. <laughs> in Irvin. I have never been. I've, no one's ever said that I was consistent on these things. Mm. But 
you guys are all trying to impose your own vote. You you literally just said you would be pissed. He says no, I would be, but the way in which I'd want it dealt with mm. would exactly be different right. to what you guys are, are are saying. It should have been dealt with. So so what I'm hearing from from everyone else is there was only one sanction, and that was for this guy to get fired. Irvin is saying, hey, look, yes, I disagree with what, what happened, but there might be, I'm, I'm open to suggestion that there might be other ways of dealing with it. So I'm, I'm hearing where he's coming from, and I think we shouldn't lose that mm. voice in the room mm. by shouting it down. I'm keen to understand what drove this, because he represents many other parents, maybe, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look black at... Parents. He's a black parent. Is it? Are you a black parent? Oh, no, I'm not a black parent, yeah. but I'm a there's black... a black parent. He, there's a black, a black parent. Well, there's when, a black parent. When, when, oh, when I was saying... Oh, did you see the look she just gave me? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Put words to the look you just gave me. That should tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... So when I was in... When I was in St. David's, this was the central... This is the central motivation for my... With punishment has to come an opportunity for redemption. Uh, I did something that was like really, really bad. If, you know, for details, you can read it. Uh, you know, if, um, if, if, if Mr. Edie wanted to, uh, perpetuate and, um, and, uh, and continue the culture of elitism at St. David's, he could have used that as a perfect opportunity to have me suspended or even expelled. Uh, but instead, he, he guided me towards understanding for myself how my actions were wrong. And gave me an opportunity to redeem myself. So, so my 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 reading of the situation that happened at St. John's was that the was that Mr. E's drive was to try at least to give an opportunity to this teacher to redeem himself. Whether or not it it it's um you know the the time was right or it was too late or the, too much harm had been done by the teacher, I think that's a that's that's not what I'm arguing because I'm not close enough to to the situation in St. Dodds to the, make the, a judgment call. The challenge call. I have with Irvin's position mm. um, is that he he bases his view on public policy on his own moment of redemption. Um, and I think the challenge that I have with that is that so so what did those kids do um, to to deserve you know ha- being subjected to sounds like repeated. Uh, incidents like this, but I, I want mm. us to to lift this out of of the St. John's perspective and just to speak a little bit more broadly around uh, black skins in 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 white schools. But uh, below, you want to to jump in quickly with the last comment on on the St. John's incident. Yeah, just my last um, comment on this is that I completely understand what you're saying with in terms of restorative punishment, but I do think that in terms of what happened with you and Mr. Edie back then and what happened now there are key differences in that mm. you were a young child and this is a full-grown adult and your crime was I don't know if it was victimless or not but this crime has many victims and especially in the context of South Africa when you think about our past for someone to be saying racially abusive things to young children mm. 23 years or whatever after apartheid has ended we're supposed to be moving towards a new South Africa if you allow this to exist and for him to escape still allowed to engage with students. Mm. Just think about the culture and presidential setting in these schools. Mm. And I think that's why eventually under the pressure of the MEC, they had to push for him to resign. Mm. Without, uh, you know, without delving too much into the character and motivations of the teacher in question, um, my, your position, I understand. I understand completely and fully, and uh, and and for what happened to 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 students. I don't know if you were personally affected, but to to black students in St. David's by this teacher, absolutely the worst thing that could ever happen to a child that just wants to better themselves and improve themselves. Um, for me, though, if uh, if my if if I had to. If I had to choose a lesson that I'd want my son to take out of this situation, is that even the very worst of people can find, um, you know, can 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 find a, a path to a better version of themselves. For uh, me, my issue is that this doesn't happen in a vacuum. The fact that the mm. teacher is allowed to continue working mm. just so, serves to like reinforce mm. 
the sort of Eurocentric attitudes and the institutional racism perceived in these schools. And that's why many old students at these schools who are black feel very let down and, and are hurt when they leave these schools. And he's not the only one. Did, did he, did he, did, just one question. Did the, did the teacher show any remorse? I don't think so. Because when I was at St. John's, there were many times when people told him that what he was saying was racist and he clearly didn't care. Mm. And even some of the comments he said, it showed that he was aware that people were challenging his racist views and that he felt that because they were children, because they were black, their opinions didn't matter and that he could carry on scot-free because he believed the system would defend him as it tried to. Mm. If you just joined us, uh, we're speaking uh, black skins in white schools uh, post the St. John's uh, discussion. We're looking into what it's like to be black in these private schools. Uh, three very, very different um, experiences, different age groups, different schools. Very interesting debate. Uh, please add your thoughts if you've got any uh, to what what our guests are saying. Glenna, you, you haven't, you, you've been bursting at the seams, I feel like. You, you, you want to say it all and then say nothing at the same time. So help me. Like, I'm giving it to you now. What are we missing here? As the men in the room here, what's going on here? Like, no, I've been listening, you know, I've been t- trying to take everything in on what they're saying, but I really, I really hear what you're saying. I think what you're saying is really important. And it's now. so true, yes. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not, I can't really relate with Mr. Here. I can't really relate with you because you know my exp- I'm I I can only perceive this from my experiences and mm-hmm. um, me being a black girl. Can I challenge that? I imagine you can relate to that um, because you guys are very vocal now that you've left. Um, what mm. was it? What 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 what? What stopped you guys from shutting those two schools down the same way Pretoria Girls High School uh, students shut their schools down when they got sick and tired of this? You guys sat there as leaders in the schools, I imagine, and uh, and one can argue is like, yeah, these guys are speaking now, but uh, where were the, where were their voices um, back then? I I I was not um, a prefect or anything at Rodin. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. However, um, after the the incident of Pretoria girls. Obviously, we picked on on that, and um, uh, a girl, actually, one of our my friends, a close friend of mine, she she started a group on Facebook on where we could we had a space where we could um, basically, yeah, talk about our experiences, our grievances. It's just why didn't you speak about them when you were at school? What what was? I'm not saying you didn't feel them because clearly you did, right? But why why is it that the system wins in the situation? Because it's like, oh, I'm just going to keep quiet, get my, do my thing, and then I'll leave, and then you know. For the most part, I was, you know, I was, I was labeled as a rebel. So if I had to, if I had to say anything, mm-hmm. it would that image like immediately would be, you know, put down. Like I would probably, I'm telling you, I would be at the headmistress. Deputy headmistress office like every week because Actually, of, see, you know I, 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 I want to below I'm going to come to you now but this is why I was saying you can relate in the sense that Irvin is like saying look for the sake of the peace or mm-hmm. whatever it is his beliefs or whatever I'm, I'm willing to give this person uh, restorative below you called it restorative justice restorative justice all right um, you're saying that for the sake of me not ending up at the principal's office. I kind of let it slip until I felt I had a voice outside of the system, right? So, but Mbilo, you 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 say no. You, you were shaking. You're like I I stood up. I no, sorry, <laughs> no 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 no. I did. I definitely did. However, there comes a point in time where that that goes. Obviously, that goes amongst like girls themselves. They start thinking the way you know teachers do. They start behave. They basically become what simulate, right? Yeah, so you know, you get used to that that environment. Impilo, let's come to you. You've been desperate to to chip in here. Um, personally, last year at St. John's, you can even check the accounts. It was also very publicized. We ran multiple campaigns in terms of awakening people to their privileges racially, sexually, <coughs> in terms of their orientation, um, and in terms of their gender, and. The only reason we were able to supersede the sort of culture of secrecy that these schools 
create, where they don't want you to challenge ideals, where they don't want you to vocalize your thoughts. The only reason we could supersede that was because myself and the second prefect were black boys and they literally had to listen to us. But even then, there was so much attempt to stifle us. We had teachers ripping down our posters, which were meant to open discussions. We had teachers accusing us of being radical, just trying to paint us in the worst possible light when all we're trying to do is allow boys to speak their opinions. Mm. You could, Athena, also challenge Rory here, you know, and say, what did you do at school? You know, what he didn't tell you that he also went to one of these schools that is former Model C schools. And what did he do sitting here? Um, because you were also part of a system that you didn't complain about and shout about until afterwards. Yeah, where were you? Yeah, where were you? We did not have hair issues back in my ah. time. That's no, that's I'm not saying. the thing. <laughs> that is not a Urban. thing. So, that's so, not a thing. So, so I, I think what I think what Andrew's trying to drive at is um, is 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 something that for for me has has been the the big the big elephant in the room. Which is that when you go to these schools, when you go to these, um, uh, you know, uh, private elite schools, um, their, their, um, their code of conduct and their mission and their aim is designed to, um, transform you from being just another kid into being a gentleman or gentle lady, you know, of the community. Uh, and I, I think the, the, the question that we, you know, that, um, that that I'd, I'd, I think should be part of this debate is is does the definition of gentleman or gentle lady still apply to the new South Africa? Is it representative of the whole of South Africa, or is it just representative of what it was to be a gentleman or gentle lady? You know, back in pre ninety four. I think it's an archaic idea of, of of what a gentleman is that they perpetuate. It's sort of the old white male, cis white male who gets what he wants and works hard and stuff like what that. What is a cis white male, please, for our, for our <laughs> listeners? We don't know these things. Cis white <laughs> born Born before 94. <laughs> born before freeze. What's it, a cis white male? It's essentially the top of the hierarchical privilege food chain. The white male who is straight, Hetero. heterosexual, uh-huh. and Jewish. privileged. privileged. Uh-huh. Okay. And cool. sort Thank of you. Same with us, same with women, you know, um, all my, all our mistress, like our heads, um, they were, they were white women and mm. I don't see how they could, you know, Rodine understand. Has, Rodine has currently four black teachers. Three of them are, uh, vernacular language uh, teachers. So Zulu and Sutu and one is a history teacher. Yep. Right. So there's a, there's an issue there. Irvin. I want to ask you something quickly because I can't relate to St. John's or Rodine simply because I wasn't there, but I was one year behind you at St. Mm-hmm. David's. The striking thing for me was how few black boys at the time were in St. David's, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, f- fine, it was a long time ago, but still it was post-apartheid. So that's the first striking thing. The second thing, and this is the question that I want to ask you, were you al- ever allowed to be black at St. David's? That alone yourself. What does it mean to be black? Whatever you identify yourself as being black. So I know personally, Irvin doesn't speak vernacular languages, right? So it's not about speaking a language or whatever, but just being black and bringing whatever your blackness is into the space. It's a good question, Andrew. Um, I suppose the best answer I could give to that is that uh, the the culture that was promulgated at St. David's was 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 overwhelmingly that you had to fit into a model of a perfect student you had to be um, you had to be perfectly good at your academics or perfectly try you had to be perfectly good at sports or perfectly try you had to you had to be perfectly involved in cultural activities or perfectly try you know in in all of these you know in all of these activities and spaces that you were driven into and 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 shaped and modeled there was no real drive made towards finding your own individuality mm-hmm. um and 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 i think and i think very much today in 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 today's situation in, pri- in private schools i i think that that um that that culture persists which 
in in the 21st century probably does need to be addressed you know you know why i'm asking this Irvin, is because the re- the reason i'm asking as the white guy in the room who went through a private school i never saw race and this is the interesting thing it was the da non-racialism right mm. i never saw race because race wasn't in my face exactly. and no black person in the school was black in a way they all assimilated to be white european what you call eurocentric and so on and so on. now this is back in the day right this is a long time ago mm. so it's unbelievable that it, it seems like from your experiences it continues still, today it's but mm. it's only when i started working outside of the four walls of st david's that i realized hold on a second what the hell's going on here like this isn't south africa this isn't even trying to be south africa this is trying to be a jock you know Private school boy, rugby is first, and uh, depending on where you are, and also girls and rugby. You know, like it, it's ridiculous. So I want to challenge. I, I want to challenge that because because you're, you're challenging. No, because you're. It's like so. So you didn't. None of them were black. What does it mean to be black? I'm still confused. Well, what, is it? Are you saying that you didn't see black people because you couldn't see black people, or because they weren't behaving black? What does behaving black? What does it mean? I'm. I'm. I'm really like. You know, we, we speak about, you know, the ability to behave black, but we don't define it. And I think this is part of the problem within these spaces. And there's a conversation that I actually want us to have before we close the show around. So what are the changes that we want to see that will begin to to say that, you know, our schools are... And we've got the hair example, but what? what must we change the house names? Must we change the school names? How How does a school behave in a way that represents... Blackness, because we need to help these guys. Because some of them, maybe like Paul Edie, are genuinely want to try, but they're just clueless. It's not even you know half of their fault is ignorance. Not even that they they're trying to be willfully racist. Yeah, my biggest issue with that standpoint though is that they don't want to have the discussions. But anyway, what I want to say is that I think in Irvin's instance, it's a different situation to the two of us because. I read in your article there were only two of two black boys. Mm-hmm. For us, I think there were 20. So it's already a different environment where now there are more people coming from their own African environment or their own cultural environment who perhaps speak their vernaculars, who perhaps mm-hmm. listen to their own music and stuff. And when they go into these white campuses, they feel ostracized and alienated when they act the way they do at home. They're, they're made to feel lesser, made to feel foreign in their own country, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the demographic realities of South Africa. Yeah. So so you've said the, the first thing. So I'm hoping that a lot of these headmasters listen to the show and and that's why I'm trying to get at okay so what does what does a different type of space look like? And I think the first thing you've said there is be open to having these conversations and open to right? different cultures. And being open but again what does being open to different cultures mean? I think being open to the conversations is something I can relate to. It's something that we can see them beginning to do, you know, set up little forums in the school and and then begin to say what are black learners saying and feeling and so on. What else do you do to begin to transform schools into spaces that are that that black skins can feel also uh an ownership of I really think I also think Being open Doesn't necessarily mean That you understand mm-hmm. So we need to You know Take the step up Yeah And so, Especially So what does understanding Look like So practically What what would What would convince you That these schools Are beginning to understand It would be for them To ask the students With the questions Of what can we do To make you feel more at home Rather than just sit there Idly and wait for Students who they're Going to label as rebels to come forward and demand to be heard. Mm. And that's the culture that these schools perpetuate right now. And and how would you how would you see so we we're now done speaking and I think this is part of one of the things you were saying is we speak and speak and speak and nothing happens. Yeah, I'm tired of discussions. Yeah. You're tired of discussions. So yeah. what does it look like when they begin to onboard what you've said and Firing begin to make changes? Racism. They fire they fire racist teachers. What else do they do? Do you change the house names? They I'm, try just, change I'm fascinated by schools that just have House names, some mm. of those people were slave owners and so on, and we all sing and dance and win spirit trophies for, <laughs> yeah, for, for, and for also, slave owners. Can so. I just say, d- taking students and pupils for, um, you know, to a psychologist does not help. You know, it does not help this, the Tell problem or situation. Give us a little bit of context to that. What um, do you mean? For example, when I was at Redeen, obviously, um, because I felt a certain way about the system and how I was treated and how things were going for me there at the time. Um, and the environment I was in, I wasn't comfortable. 
um, they decided to, you know, they felt that, okay, no, I need a psychologist to try, you know, deal with my issues. And I'm just like, no, that's not, that's not helping. That does not, not a help. Mental issue. It's, it's an not a mental issue. issue. You can't tell, for example, you can't tell, um, um, somebody who, you know, shaves their hair or has a different hairstyle to you. Um, no, that's a fashion statement. And come so on. Let's, so, so there, there, there's obviously a, a line that needs to be that needs to be navigated, and I imagine these schools are trying to navigate, right? Which yeah. is, which is, there are rules, um, and there can be rules about hair as well, right? And these rules impact white and black. The problem that we're seeing is that. These rules are made for white people, and then black people must just fall in line. That, uh, but is there room for rules to say, if you're black, this is the hairstyle we want. If you're white, this is the hairstyle we want. Or are you saying they should just say, hey, you know, anything goes? I cannot change who I am. No, no, no. So I'm not saying, the, I'm not saying they say, straighten your hair or whatever. Okay. They might just say, look, if it's an afro, it, it cannot be longer I, than five I, centimeters, whatever just, it is. I just want to interrupt here. Um, I, I, I think what's needed is... Two things. First, that um, private schools really need to change the creed that they that they that they live by. Um, you know the the you know the basic tenets of St. David's: take courage and be a man. Fantastic, but take courage and be a man fifty years ago is totally different to today. You know, um, you know, and 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 even more so now than it was back in the nineteen nineties. Technology and um, um, technology and lifestyles have completely evolved beyond beyond the points when these schools were set up, and I think that the schools need to adapt to that. Um, you know, greater dialogue between teachers and and students definitely wouldn't harm anybody. That's that's my first point. My second thing about what really needs to change in in school and perhaps maybe even in so uh, South African society greater is that. Um, is is that we really need to start developing a culture of of tolerance and for and measured forgiveness and when i say that i don't mean that that if um if somebody does wrong you just slap them on the wrist and send them on their merry way again no uh, you know punishment does have to meet the crime but in in that we've got to be trying to 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 motivate a culture where People start to realize that even in their in their wrongdoing, that they that they can change and that it's really necessary for them to change. Yeah, I agree with Irvin there. I just disagree in the specific instance of the housemaster. Mm. But I want to go back to what you said, Roy. Um, when you're asking about like examples in terms of just the Eurocentricity at St John's last year, um, there was a celebration um, or like a memorial held for the Battle of Delvil Wood, which is a World War One battle. And sort of like a big ceremony, so much focus on it, so much pomp. You can just see the effort. And like, that's a very disconnected event for South African students, mm. especially for black students. But then at the exact same token, when we have sort of South African incidents like the Sharpeville Massacre, when those dates come around, there's almost no effort put in. Last year St. John's, we tried to sort of throw a community service football fixture and we received no support except from one black teacher who felt that what we were doing was admirable. Mm. The rest of the school thought it was not a big thing, that like it didn't matter. And those are the events that have shaped South Africa and that should be shaping South Africa ideologically if we actually want to move forward and build a better country. Yeah, yeah. I see the extent of that. I really want to get to this question because uh, it just, Rory is challenging me about what does it mean to be black in these schools and, and generally in South Africa at the moment. And I might have got this wrong. You know, here comes the socialization, right? But I want to understand from you guys, what does it mean to be black? Like, how would this look? Like, would you send your kid to, to St. John's in Bilo? No. Would you send your kid to St. David's? Irvin. I already do. He's probably going to say that. <laughs> it's, it's kind of my plan to get him in there. Okay, Trina? No. Okay, so what would it take in order to feel like your kids could feel that they are South African, that they are black, that they are Zulu, whatever it is, um, in these schools for you to send your kids there? I think for myself, a demographic shift has to occur because when you start rep reflecting the, the, real the realities of 
South Africa's society in the schools. Because even white boys from St. John's, who are old boys, will say that they feel St. John's failed to prepare them for the reality of South Africa by providing a context of a white society when South Africa is not that reality. Also, but, the but wouldn't you argue that um, that reality in South Africa is that that economically speaking, most it's mostly white people that can afford to go to these schools. Well, if you look at what Hilton have done, they sort of adjusted their acceptance rules to shift the demographic intentionally because they've realised the issue lies in allowing a white culture to exist as a predominant culture. Hmm. So, where would you guys take your your, your kids to school? I'm too young to think about that. <laughs> oh my. Guys, come on. Is that a cop out? Because you're very clear. I won't send my, my kids here. And you've got an idea of I what an idea looks that. like. Because maybe, is, is that not, is that not maybe not. the challenge that black parents are faced with? Is, is a reality that you mm. guys don't have to, you're, you're too young to deal with. And so it's easy to then be idealistic about is, all right, so cool, guys. This sounds all fantastic. But then where do I send my kids to school where they can be what you define as black. I think our parents now, now they understand because before to them, Model C, you know, going to this, um, you know, these schools were, that was like, it was a, the best sort of a, yeah, a great achievement. And coming out of there and, you know, me telling you about my experience and how it was, it was for me definitely shifted the way mm. In which they think and um, you know see. My goodness, what a conversation! Um, and as it's heating up, uh, we, we we run out of time. I, I find this Andrew very fascinating. I think it's a it's a conversation that's got a multi that's got multiple layers to it. Um, one of those layers is so I can understand Irvin, right? I, I really so I can. Everyone said they couldn't relate with somebody in the room. I can probably relate with everyone in the room, and that's why I kept switching sides because I I, I kind of get it. But I think the, the the difficulty here is you've got things that need to change at a societal level that we need to push for because these kids don't come from they don't you you you're putting so much responsibility on schools. They come from our families. They come from families that teach this racist stuff, and then they t- they send the kids into you know white. Why should it be black learners standing up for black learners? We it would be great to see white learners stand up for black learners and say you know what, this is not good enough because you know if I'm a black learner I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get suspended or whatever. Let 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 us begin to see, and we'll see that when white parents begin to instill this in their in their white kids. Um, but at the same time, I understand the frustration. I understand what. Um, Irvin is saying about well, there's also a learning opportunity here for 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 my child, for the boys, and so on. And and how do we as as elders in society um, nurture and 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 make sure that that learning opportunity is not lost? Should we throw uh, the baby out with the bathwater, as I think somebody said uh, perhaps before the show, or should we try and show that there there can be redemption? But then the question is at whose expense? At the expense of these learners who have done nothing. Um, so it's 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 a multifaceted issue. I think it's a it deserves I think a lot more conversation. Um, last word. At, it also starts at home. Um, I think yes. you know people and parents should educate your kids, educate and let them know about you know be open, be you can't be narrow minded and then go to you know schools and expect you know your train of thoughts to be the same you're saying words you're not connecting them into sentences you're <laughs> believing we can read <laughs> your mind my case. This but, I seen <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but i get what you're saying uh, yeah, you know my my, mm. my my three-year-old kid uh, the thing that amazes me is that um he goes to school where there's um a, you know to a nursery school where there's it's predominantly black, right? Um, but then, uh, when very quickly, we're running out of time. When he goes, um, when when he when he goes and hangs out with some of my friends on the weekend, many of whom are white, uh, he gets to play with, uh, with with white kids. And for him, it's not a case of oh, I'm playing with the with a black kid today. I'm playing with a white kid tomorrow, and I'm playing with a Chinese kid on Monday. You know, for him, it's just a kid, and he's just having fun. And All that's right. what we want in in schools. Pilo? Oh, I was going to say um, that the reason I stress the demographic is a big issue is because if you look at our history, obviously the, the parents of the kids in high school right now 
most of them grew up when South Africa was segregated. Mm. And the reality is that they haven't experienced the open culture that we want the kids now to experience. Mm. So it is the responsibility for the schools to induce this because it's impossible for the white parents to understand. Guys, we, we unfortunately have to leave it there. Um, I think there's going to be just a, a little uh, five-minute thought process after this. We're going we're gonna to debrief on this. So check out cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. Uh, this has been an incredible show, frankly speaking, black skins in white schools. Thank you to all our guests today for coming through. We really appreciate it. Rory, how do you nice. feel? Have yourself a great day. We'll see you later. Thanks so much for listening. Ciao, ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.